I often get asked about culture, um, you know, where people say, oh, I, I want to improve the culture in my organisation. And I say, well, if you want to improve the culture, you have to improve your leadership. Because great culture will never happen without great leadership. So I think it's paramount to everything, everything. Whether you're a sporting coach, coaching an under 12s team, how you lead, how you model the right behaviour. I think all of those things are all about, about leadership. Welcome to Laugh, Learn, Lead podcast show season two, Simplified to Amplify. Hi, I'm JC Jeanette Cremor, and I love interviewing industry experts to hear their stories and we share practical tips to get the best out of your business strategies. We talk all things people, process and technology. Hi listeners, today I have with me Alison Crabb. I'm so excited to hear her story and about her new book. Um, I'll let her explain a little bit more. She's worked with some of Australia's most recognised and successful retailers for more than 30 years. Her career in the retail industry began as a travel consultant with Flight Centre Travel Group, where her promotion first to store manager and then to an area leadership role was eventually seeing her spend eight years in a global leadership role. During these years, she learned and developed an improvement and pushed those boundaries to drive improvement year on year, making profit growth of 18 to $49 million. There's a story in that alone. Um, she has received uh, awards, uh, the Flight Centre's Director's Award for Global Outstanding Achievement and also finalist in Telstra's Business Woman of the Year Award in 2012. Since leaving her retail uh, role at Flight Centre, she's created a consulting business and is just about to release her book. I'm really excited. Um, thanks for joining me, Alison. Thank you for having me, Jeanette. It's fabulous to, uh, to be here with you. Yeah. Oh, just, I'm, I'm anticipation of your book, so I, because I've had a sneak peek and I can't wait to jump into that. But, you know, I talked a little bit about your a little bit, 30 years retail experience. Wow, um, that's a lifetime for some people, for some listeners at the moment. Um, what made you go from you know, retail specialist to author and consultant? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, 25 years in flight centre, I didn't think that that would be my, my journey. I started as a primary school teacher and bit of a sliding doors moment um, in life uh, meant uh, that uh, I ended up at Flight Centre and I thought, well, this will be a fun job. I'll just um, get back to teaching and at the real job of teaching um, and uh, I'll just do this for a bit of fun just for a year. Maybe I'll get a few free holidays, might get to meet a few new people and that's what I did. So I started at Flight Centre thinking it would be a one-year fun you know, squeeze in a couple of holidays to get back to the real job of teaching. But 12 months turned into 25 years. Um, I just absolutely loved the culture of the company. I was there in the early days when it was a very small company. Uh, Jeff Harris, who was one of the founding owners, um, was one of the most outstanding, not only human beings, but leaders that I'd ever, ever had the pleasure to meet. And, um, and uh, I was very lucky to learn so much from him. So from store manager for five years, an area leader of running a group of stores for eight years, and then eight years running um, the operation in Victoria and Tasmania. And then in 2016, um, I was turning 50, 
and I had always wanted to do what I'm doing now, which is which was to impart everything I'd learned about leadership um, in onto others um, and take a, a slower paced life. Um, my business at Flight Centre had you know 1,400 staff at one stage, um, turning over well over a billion dollars a year. So it was a lot of work, a lot of fun, but a lot of work. So I made the big decision. Um, I gave three months notice and um, and left to start up my own leadership consulting practice in 2016 and that's what I've been doing ever since. So um, I guess the book is a bit of an evolution of all of that in that um, I've been wanting to write a book for some time but so busy in the doing of running workshops and programs and coaching that having the time to actually sit down and write the book was hard but then obviously COVID hit and um, I had plenty of spare time on my hands and I thought, well, what am I going to do to make use of this time? And I already had the outline for the book. I had the basic bare bones there. And I just sat there every day for 13 weeks writing and managed to get the book finished. Incredible project. It's such an achievement in such a short time. Well, that's discipline. And that's... Uh... Yeah. Well, it was good in a way having it because it did create that discipline. Mm. Uh, my, my goal was seven days a week, minimum 500 words a day. So even if I didn't feel like writing, I just had to get 500 words down on paper. So I, there was the odd day, I have to admit, where I got to 500 and that was it. Um, but there were other days where I was able to get three or 4,000 words down because I was on a roll or feeling quite, quite motivated and, and in the zone, I guess. Yeah. Before we go to the book, I want to ask you about leadership because... Um, I have a philosophy about project leadership and that everyone has a role to play. But in your experience in the retail industry and kind of the basis of your book, why is leadership so important in work and life and, and how would you describe it? I guess what I've learned is any aspect of life or business, nothing really good happens without great leadership. Um, there are so many examples we can all relate to, great leaders that we've seen, great leaders we may not know, but we've, we've admired. Um, you know, I think leadership is at the heart of everything. Uh, I think even being a parent mm. at some level is about leadership um, and understanding the responsibility that comes with leadership. It's, it's not a title, it's, it's something that, um, that is influenced. Um, so whether you're a parent, whether you're running, you know, a small a small business, whether you're running a large corporation, um, to to achieve great results, I think it has to start with having great leadership. You know, um, I often get asked about culture. Um, you know, where people say, oh, I, "I want to improve the culture in my organisation," and I say, "Well, if you want to improve the culture, you have to improve your leadership." Because great culture will never happen without great leadership. So I think it's paramount to everything, everything. Mm. Whether you're a sporting coach, coaching an under-12s team, how you lead, how you model the right behaviour, how you impact for good. Mm. I think all of those things are all about, about leadership. Yeah, and I totally agree. And that's kind of like, you know, I work with project teams and I have a mix of backgrounds coming together for a purpose and sometimes it's six weeks, six months, um, and you've got to get the best out of them. And that's why I believe that everyone has a role to play in leadership. Yeah. It's not just, you know, looking upward and saying, oh, that's my boss or that's the executives. No. Um, so, yeah, look, yeah. I've got plenty of episodes around that. I won't yeah. 
But let's jump into your book. It's called The Essential Guide for Area Leaders in Retail. And I love that you focused on your expertise. And um, so a little bit more. I know you said you wanted to impart your knowledge and help so many. Um, but who will benefit from reading it and why did you write it for them? Well, I guess, first of all, I'm really passionate about retail, not only surviving, but thriving. Um, as, as somebody who is a customer, just like all of us are at some level, we have to think more consciously about the choices we make and where we buy. Um, I see some things that, that I find really disappointing and really quite upsetting where I'm seeing so many um, large discount retailers now who are removing checkout staff and, and replacing them with um, self-service. Um, and that may be quick and easy and certainly cost-effective for them. But I, there are some, going to be some unintended consequences around, um, around that. I think about um, when I was, you know, 16 years old, my first ever job was in a department store. That's where I learned the fundamentals of working in a team, of uh, interacting with customers, of uh, being disciplined, of um, being responsible. And the more we're taking these jobs away from, um, from the younger generation, I worry for the generation who are going to be looking for jobs, part-time jobs, while they're at school, while they're at uni, where are these jobs going to come from? So that's more of a, a, a philosophy that I have. And I think as consumers, we have to decide what society, what we, what we value, and then our choices in how we shop have to be driven by that. I don't want to look back in 10 years when every, all of these stores are self-service and think, oh, wow, I could have done something about that. So the, I guess there's the bigger picture of retail. The other side is that, you know, online shopping, it's here to stay. And I know lots of people love it. Um, I'm not a big online shopper myself, but at, at times I have purchased, certainly at the moment, I've been forced to. But the reality is for retailers, 86% of all sales are made in bricks and mortar stores. So yes, you can focus online, but the success of your organisation fundamentally will come down to how well you look after customers in your retail stores. And I believe at the heart of looking after customers are the staff, how the staff that serve you feel about the, the brand, feel about their organisation, feel about their leader, um, is going to impact those results. And at the heart of that is the role of the area leader. So some people may not be familiar with what an area leader does, but basically an area leader is somebody who oversees a group of uh, retail stores. It might, in some cases, it might be eight stores. In other cases, it might be 12 or 14 stores. But fundamentally, they are there and responsible to make sure that all the things that are meant to happen in those stores actually happen. But what tends to happen is that in retail, very good store managers who run a very good store are then promoted into area leader roles where they're now running eight or, or responsible for eight to 10 or 12 stores. Yet the skill set from one to the other is so different. Now, when you're in the one environment all day, you have control and you can make things happen quickly. Whereas when you're running eight or 10 or 12 stores, you can't be in every store every day. Mm. So I've seen area leaders try very hard to do that. And so what I desperately wanted to do from my own experience of being an area leader for eight years and making every mistake in the book, but finding ways to make the role work 
to then leading a large team of 10 area leaders for eight years and watching the impact an area leader has on results. Um, I really felt that I had some really good knowledge that would help make the area leader role more effective. Um, but my ultimate goal is to help retail thrive um, mm. through their store network. Um, and so I guess this book is very much a practical guide to help them lead, have more impact. Um, and it's, I guess the book is, it's a retail focused book, but really anybody who leads people in multiple locations uh, at any one time, there, there's a whole book full of strategies on how to do that more effectively. That's really, and I like the fact that you've recognised and so much that I see is that progression doesn't automatically mean that you have all the tools and the skills and the experience in your toolkit on day one yeah, and that you actually yeah. can bring some of it with you, but you've got to learn the other bits. That's it. I mean, you'll take with you when you've been a very good store manager, a very good leader of a team, you will take all of that experience and knowledge and you want to impart that everywhere but it, it, you've then got to be more of a, it's a role of influence rather yeah. than control. And yeah. that's where the, the transition and the skills need to, to develop to, to catch up in that yeah. space. Yeah. And I've been fortunate. You've shared um, a sneak peek with me and I loved how practical your book is. Um, I love the fact that, you know, you've called it the essential guide and it is, it's fully packed of case studies, light bulb moments, checklists, actions. Um, but there's one chapter that really got my attention um, and it was about your performance pyramid. Mm, yeah. What does that represent and what part does it play in the success of an area leader? I fundamentally, I work in retail, as I said, it's my passion, but really um, retail is just one part of the work I do. Um, and the performance pyramid, it's interesting that you've highlighted that Jeanette, because that's probably the, the, the foundation of the work I do. So I work in a lot of other organisations, sporting organisations, very much where people are at the heart of the organisation, uh, where the only product you have is people, i.e. the travel industry. Um, that's, that's my passion and that's where I think my expertise and experience lies. So I developed, um, I tried to come up with a, with a, a way of explaining how I saw effective um, teams happen and how I saw results achieved. And the best way to describe it was really in the form of a pyramid. And the reason why I've used a pyramid is, uh, I remember back in, I think it was 93, I was very lucky to travel to Egypt and I was so excited to get out to see the pyramids in Giza. And to this day, they still have a massive impact on me. And what I was fascinated with is the pyramids have literally been there for thousands of years, thousands of years. They are standing upright, nice and strong. And um, the, um, I, I spoke to the guide that was, uh, uh, that was um, taking us and I said, how have they stood here for so many thousands of years? And he said, well, it's the foundation. They were built on a very, very strong foundation. I went, ah, interesting. And I remember years later when I was trying to articulate my model around leadership, I, I recalled being back in Egypt at the pyramids and to me, the foundation of what builds results in any organisation is the environment. Mm. By the environment, um, I mean, it's how people feel about the organisation. 
Are people cared for? Is there a sense of belonging? Do people feel connected? Are relationships very strong? Is there a high level of trust? Now, the challenge with the environment, it's you can't see it, but you can feel it. Mm, absolutely feel it. Yeah. And not only can you feel it, it's also a little bit hard to quantify. There's not a KPI or a measurement in, in some ways that directly uh, uh, that can directly speak to that. But there are some um, subtle ones around, I think, uh, staff turnover or retention, um, engagement, you know, those sorts of things you can certainly measure um, a lot around the environment. And to me, fundamentally, that's what a leader is responsible for is the environment. The next level of the pyramid is strategies. Every organisation needs great strategies. You know, your marketing strategy, your product strategy, your growth strategy, your people strategy, all, all of those things. And then at the top of the pyramid is results. Mm -hmm. So I believe results are an outcome of having a great environment and having great strategies. But what I see in many organisations that I've worked with um, is that there is so much focus on strategies. And that's the thing about COVID that worries me, uh, is everybody going to be so focused on strategies, you know, cost reduction, uh, investment in marketing, uh, technology, online platforms, all of these things, and that the environment will get missed. Now, I've conducted so many exit interviews, I've researched so many people, done so many needs analysis and diagnostics for organisations, and I'm yet to see much of the pain points for organisations sit in strategy. I'm yet to have anybody say to me, I've, I left the organisation because I, I didn't like the marketing strategy. Yeah. It's always about the environment. They leave for the relationships. They leave because they didn't feel valued or appreciated. So to me, the best thing any organisation, certainly through COVID, yes, you need to focus on strategies. Yes, they are important. But strategies mean nothing if you do not have that foundation of having a very strong environment where people feel valued and are cared for and, and appreciated. Um, and, um, and the majority of a lot of that is, is, is the leader. The leader is responsible for the environment that they provide for their people. And I hope through the book, there's lots of great strategies, but outside of retail, this is a lot of the work that I do. Yeah. It's I, I absolutely can relate to everything that you've said. Because, um, like, I come into project teams and the same thing. It's the environment that I can feel as soon as I walk in. I go, oh, uh, people don't even have to not speak and I can feel the conflict or um, and, and all that. So that's kind of my focus as well. So I love that. And that's why I think I loved your pyramid. I could relate to that environment foundational piece in what I do as well. And, um, and, I, and I believe uh, strategy to results as well. So I'm thinking... Yeah, I've, I haven't done projects in retail, um, but everything that you had in your book, I'm going, oh, yeah, Alison, yep, yep, I've got, oh, yes, another light bulb moment, yeah, so. As I say, it, it's a book that will be incredibly helpful, I think, for retail, but really there are so many strategies in there that if you're, in a, leader, if you're a leader and you're running an organisation, you can adapt so many of yep. those strategies. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, you're very passionate with your focus on helping uh, leaders and teams and having that environment. What do you enjoy most about helping your clients though? Uh, well, look, I have a high need for contribution. So I feel good when I know I've made a, made a, uh, you know, a contribution to somebody else. Um, but one of the great things about the work I do, whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentoring or whether it's working with a group is when you first start, 
working with someone and you see where they're at and where their challenges are and you work with them to see where they want to get to, what they want to achieve and that you're able to guide them um, and support them to achieve those outcomes. And that when you see that growth in somebody, you know, hopefully it's made a huge difference to them, but it does feel really good to know that you've made a difference yeah. to somebody else. So I think that's really what drives, what drives me. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, I've had an amazing 25 years at Flight Centre and to see what's going on in the travel industry right now is just, it's like watching my family, you know, disintegrate. Mm. But I know there are some amazing leaders at Flight Centre and great people, um, not just in, at Flight Centre, but in the travel industry. Um, and I think um, the ones that can hold through the next 12 months, they'll come out the other side stronger. We are all desperate to get on a holiday, get on an aeroplane and go on a holiday. I'll go anywhere. Right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm actually even keen to hop in my car and go to a beachside oh. somewhere. Like, Well, if we're going to stay in lockdown in Victoria, even I said to my husband, I said, we're, going, we're getting on a plane to Mildura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least I can get on a plane. <laughs> So, uh, yes, we're all desperate. So, yeah, I think for the travel industry, if they can just, the ones that can hold out for, the, for, the, for this period, they'll come out the other side even stronger. And I have no doubt Flight Centre and a lot of the other major players will, will, do, will do the same. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll put the link on how people can get access to your book on yeah. um, this podcast I'll episode and that. We've got a discount code for you as well. Oh, that's brilliant. We'll, we'll definitely share that discount code for people to um, get their copy because oh, it's, it's really good. Um, how do you maintain your energy levels when you help so many other people? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good point, isn't it? Um, look, I, if anyone understands Myers-Briggs, I'm a high introvert. Um, so I'm very aware. I teach Myers-Briggs. I'm very self-aware of of my energy levels. So I think for all of us, if we can start to understand um, our own energy levels um, and manage our diaries really well. So if I'm running a full day workshop with a large team on a Tuesday, on the Wednesday, I have I, I strategically block out that day so that that day is a much lighter day. It might be a few phone calls and, and, and things like that. Um, I can't go back to back to back. Um, to be able to give to give all or give a hundred percent, I can't do back to back. So I'm very conscious of managing my diary. So if it's a hectic day one day, I make sure it's a light day the next day, and that's how I I manage. But I really and certainly through COVID, I've I've really listened to my own body. There's there's days I think like all of us can relate to where we're feeling really motivated, lots of energy, and we go like crazy. And then there are other days we just don't feel that way. So I tend to go with the flow and if it's a Tuesday afternoon, I don't feel like doing much, then I don't. Um, if it's a Saturday night and I'm watching the footy with a glass of wine and I'm feeling motivated, I'll jump and grab my laptop and, and I'll do some work. So I just tend to listen to my body. Um, I'm generally motivated. So I know that the, the motivation will come back the next day or two days time. I think um, I think it's really important that we listen to our bodies and not feel guilty if we're not doing something when we should be doing something. Um, I think that's going to be really important right now. Yeah, you're definitely holding a mirror up to me as you say that because that's the bit that I've been struggling with is that um, listening and not feeling guilt at the same time. Like I kind of try to go non-digital, um, non-digital. Oh my yeah. gosh, non-digital for two days. Um, to try and get that thinking back, get on the whiteboard and think. 
But then times I'm, I slump and I go, oh, JC, stop. Then the guilt comes and then you start going. So you're in conflict with your own conversation in your head. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so I thank you for showing me the mirror again of uh, being gentle and listening and not feeling guilty. But you mentioned footy Saturday night. Who do you support? Oh, gee, I am off the scale, off the Richter scale. There is no Richter scale ever created for me. I'm a Western Bulldogs. <gasps> You're a doggies. Open. If you literally chop me open, I would bleed red, white and blue. Oh, so my not gosh. Every life revolves around the footy. I'm lucky that I've married into a, um, into a big footy family, but the, um, the in-laws, my husband and the in-laws are all North Melbourne supporters but it's hilarious because all the all the in-laws so all of us uh who have married into the family are all western bulldog supporters so it's quite funny but yeah we're a big footy family and um i'm yeah i'm very passionate about my footy team well you might be surprised to know that i'm a gold coast sons foundation member well you i could share with you jeanette that my son who's just turning 19 um, switched from the Bulldogs to the Gold Coast about five years ago, four or five years ago now. And we thought it was just going to be a bit of a, you know, um, one of those things that 14-year-olds, they want to be oppositional. Yeah. Stuck with them. So oh, Good on him. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've had over 25 years in AFL um, as a volunteer. So oh, wow. I'm very passionate about my footy and um, to the point that... Uh, the Bulldogs and um, I, I run all the leadership um, in the AFLW for the Western Bulldogs as well. So with the leadership team and the coaches and everything. I love that. Love oh, that's, that's my thing too. Like um, my daughter, the point that when she was filling out her year eight enrollment form, she um, next to religion, she wrote AFL. Um, and we're in Queensland, like we're a Queensland uh, family and only been in Victoria 10 years, but the people that we've met in footy, yeah. um, our, our lifelong family yeah, connections. Yeah. It is a family. Um, no doubt. Yeah, I've been sitting with the same little crew for 25 years. We travel interstate together and we, you know, we went to all the finals in 2016 together. So we're tight. And that's been one of the hardest things about COVID is to not be with my footy family to watch games. It's been really hard. Yeah, because yeah, I'm normally, you know, four or five trips a year up to Metricon um, in in the winter, you know, getting in the Gold Coast sun. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of like, oh, but at least I'm watching, you know, some on TV. So I'm very thankful that they're in lockdown yeah. and yeah. that yeah. we can at least watch it. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to talk to you more about footy offline. I won't uh, bore the listeners with our footy, but um, that's one topic that I'm very passionate about is my sport. Um, so, Alison, how is the best way that people can um, buy your book? We mentioned a discount code, but also get in touch with you if they want to understand a little bit more about how you might be able to help them. Sure. Uh, well, best place to go is to my website, which is alisoncrab.com, A-L-I-S-O-N-C-R-A-B-B.com.au. Uh, and uh, there's a whole range of different things on, on my website. Um, there's a link to the book. Uh, where if people want to purchase the book, they can. And if they use the code REVRETAIL, one word, uh, R-E-V, retail, um, they'll get a discount on the book. So it's $29.95, including postage. Um, and with the, with the discount code, they'll get a small discount of 10% as well. That's brilliant. And what a great time to kind of use a book and, and learn and develop your skills 
um, than, than now. Um, I, I've, I've been investing in a fair few books at the moment mm. um, to, to do that as well, to try and fill the, the void of silence um, yeah. with, with learning and reading. So thank you so much, Alison. Loved having, spending time with you. Um, and when I uh, paused, pause this interview, I'm going to be talking footy with you. So, <laughs> so hang around. Thanks. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks for the opportunity to, to, to speak to, um, to some amazing people. I'm sure uh, that I hope uh, get something out of um, all the podcasts that you put together, but yeah. uh, there's something in this one. Yeah. Thanks, Alison. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Jump on my website, JeanetteCremor.com.au and download the Leveraging Insights Workbook. It has over 50 tips from the first year of the show's episodes. It's a great online learning tool for you and your team. Until next time, keep smiling.